Welcome to the Home Inspector Marketing Podcast. Because you're a home inspector looking to increase your sales, improve your cash flow, and boost your bottom line, you are in the right place. For additional training resources on how you can grow your home inspection business, go to microreturns.com right now. And now, here's the podcast. Hi, this is Mike Crow, and I run a home inspection business. In fact, I've run a couple of home inspection businesses. The true joy for me, though, has been helping literally thousands of home inspectors build really solid home inspection businesses as well. We can help a single man operation be able to do over $300,000 a year, maybe all the way up to $400,000 a year as a single inspector operation. Even better for me is the 80 plus companies that we have helped be able to build million dollar home inspection businesses. I would like to help you be able to do the same thing. This is a rebroadcast of an early episode we had on Beware the 95%. It is one of Mike's favorite topics, and it will be the focus of his upcoming book. We hope you enjoy it. One of the challenges in life is that you're surrounded and you're getting ready to go home and you're going to be surrounded by the 95%. And I may have told you some of this already, so uh, bear with me as I repeat a little bit of it as we get into it. Uh, when you get home, uh, and I was talking with uh, them at lunch yesterday. We had a great lunch. There's a little place out in and, uh, uh, Arlington that has Mexican food that is really good um, and uh, decorated up for Christmas all the way around, okay? So anyway, one of the things I was telling them was when they go home, they're gonna be surrounded by 100 people and 95% of them are all going to give them suggestions of how they should do and live their life. Most of them are wrong. Most of them are wrong. Out of 100 people you get around, 95% of them will tell you, you should do this, 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 this. But they're not successful people. They don't have a clue how to help you be successful, okay? And so one of the things that I'm very, very passionate about, and it's one of the reasons I created the saying, was be successful and be around those that are successful. Because in this room, we don't have 95 percenters, okay? Uh, Matt Smith and, and Coy uh, came to our Million Dollar Club and private coaching group where, I, I, by the way, when I sold my business, uh, I kept the right to keep one group so I could coach because it's in my blood. It's in my soul. If I couldn't coach at all, I would just like shrivel up and die. And so in my agreement, when I sold the coaching to them, I kept the right to keep one coaching group. Okay. Uh, not go big, build some big coaching group again, like I had, but keep one. Okay. Uh, Ricky and Chris are part of that as well. Uh, and uh, Frank's part of that. And we, we had an incredible time, didn't we? Okay. Uh, and, but it's because everybody in this room is working towards being successful. But I want to give you the other side of this, okay? So the other side of this is the, what I call uh, beware of the 95%. And you have to beware of it. You have to understand that if you're going to build something to sell, do you want to sell to the 5% or do you want to sell to the 95%? Exactly. Now, this is important. In your business, when you're building your business, you want to build it for the 95%. That's the problem because you're building your business to sell it to the majority, but you don't want to be the majority. Does that make sense? It's kind of a hard thing to do. Now, I will tell you the secret for me is to do both. I build my business for the 95%, and then I find the 5%ers in that group, 
and I gather them around me and I, I hug them. Okay, I want to spend lunch with them. I, I want to spend dinner with them. I want to go to movies with them. I, I want to go to Walt Disney World with them. I want to embrace them and surround myself with those people. So I want to, how, how do you know the difference? Okay, so that's why I created this. Here's what you're going to find. The 95%ers spend an incredible amount of time watching TV and playing computer games. Now, this is important. I want to make sure that I get this correct. Okay, in the 1%, does the 1% spend any time on TV and computer games? Yeah, they do. I know, I'm one of them, okay? But me and my wife will watch a show together, and a lot of times the shows I watch will tell you the different type of person that I am versus other things. By the way, I love sci-fi. Five points, just raise your hand. Why do I love sci-fi more than any other type of show out there? Because it shows me the future, okay? I mean, Star Trek. I grew up seeing Star Trek, right? This was on Star Trek. This didn't exist when Star Trek was out there. But I knew it was coming, right? I keep waiting for transporters. I really do. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Send me home, you know? <laughs> the new Star Trek Discovery, I watch it. As soon as that episode comes out, I watch it. Now, is there silliness in it? You bet. But one percenters watch useful things. Okay, um, and uh, I'm watching, uh, uh, me and my wife are watching The Amazing Race right now. But here's what I want you to know. If they're spending a lot of time on TV and computer games, they're probably in the 95%. McDonald's versus your company. A lot of people boo-hoo McDonald's. I freaking love McDonald's. Why? Chicken well, <laughs> Operations. Jonathan, by the way, worked for them at a point. That was his first job. And I thought, hell yeah, boy, go work there. Okay, because when he came back, he understood systems. And he understood systems to be able to, teenagers could use. Okay, uh, and so I want to make sure that you see that and you understand that uh, in so many different ways. All right, your business needs to be just like McDonald's. So that anybody, you can plug anybody into it, and they within a day, two days, a week, they can do it. Right? Did Christian tell you how long it takes to train somebody to answer the phones? Right? Yeah, within two weeks. Okay? So build your business for the 95 percenters. Because that's why McDonald's is the number one largest restaurant in the world. Okay? No, they're not even in the restaurant business. By the way, he didn't know that when he built it. Let me ask you a question. There's a movie out there called The Founder, okay? It's about Ray Kroc that built that. How many of you went and saw that movie? Bingo, bingo, bingo. See, I know immediately you're in the 5%, at least brain-wise, because the 5%ers... <laughs> well, you're on your way to doing it with other things, because the 5%ers went and saw that movie. What did I do, Krista? I gathered up eight people, and we went and saw it. Then I went and took them and bought them all barbecue, and then I asked all of them, what's one thing you learned from that? What's one thing you learned from that? Okay, and, and, and we went around the table and discussed it. Now, by the way, I hate in the movie that he dumps his wife and it just kills me, all right? But here's one of my number one secrets. I filter, I filter. So I took that piece of garbage out, and I took all the good stuff that I learned out of it and kept that, all right? So weekly paychecks. Most 95 percenters live week to week to week to week. 
and you see it all the time. Oh my gosh, I need that paycheck this week. All right. And so it's very, very, you see that with 95 percenters debt. They are in debt up to their eyeballs. And I'm going to tell you a secret. There is good debt and there is bad debt. There is investment debt and there is debt that you don't, you should not have. Okay. And I, I have been debt free three times in my life. I am currently not. Okay. But I have been debt free three times in my life. And people are amazed when they find that out. Right now, I don't know. Money well, is so right now. what? Money is so cheap. Yeah. It's exactly right. And by the way, uh, I want to I make sure that I say something here very carefully. I love my wife. Been married 43 years, working on 43 years. And, but I am super conservative, and she is super conscientious. That's the best word I come up with, okay? So what you don't know is in the other room over here, she's running a charity, which, by the way, I set it up for the room. I set it up so she could do that, and, and I'll take all the full credit. But she's in there doing the charity, which, by the way, I set it up with my CPA so she could have a 501, okay? You know, and so she could have all that. And she's, she's doing a great job with that. Uh, but, it's, but it's a different thought process. Uh, sometimes she hates debt. When I go into debt, she thinks I'm just the craziest person in the world. All right. And I have been literally hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt at points. But I know I'm going to pay it off. All right. And that debt makes me money. When I wanted to buy this building, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but when I wanted to buy this building, nobody understood. Susan didn't understand. Krista didn't understand. Nobody understood. But I saw this building and I went, oh my gosh, we cannot not do this. And I fought tooth and nail for it. So when they started building all those buildings across the street, I went, I want that corner unit, but I want the biggest unit that they have. Just turns out the biggest unit is on the corner. That was cool. It's called the Texoma. All right. And I said, I, it took me a year to get that. And I had to fight through stuff, and I overpaid, and I paid points on the mortgage, and I, pay, I, I cannot begin to tell you what I had to do to get that corner unit, okay? But I got it, and it's so cool to be able to walk out of this building and walk across the street to it, okay? And here's one of those things is I don't mind overpaying for something I know I'm going to have for the use the rest of my life. Okay, I'll tell you more about that. But most people are in bad debt. So there's good debt and bad debt, just like there's good cholesterol and bad cholesterol, right? Okay, so late. This is what I love about this room. You guys have not been back from one break late, not one. Do you know how unusual that is in a seminar? I mean, you go to an ASHI meeting, you go to an InterNACHI meeting, you go to any other meeting, right? And it starts at seven o'clock. And what time do they start? 7.15, 7.30, whatever, okay? But I will tell you, when I did my annual event, man, people learned we started on time, didn't they? <laughs> and we locked the doors, and they were going, what? And they were not late again, okay? You remember that? Yeah, we locked the doors. But the 95 percenters are late, and I will tell you, they will tell you, it's okay to be late. It's okay to be late. 
They don't mean you harm, but they're killing you. Okay? So there's that. Here's what you'll say them, hear them say all the time. As soon as I hear somebody say this, I know they're a 95% zone. Even if they're a one presenter, and I want to make sure I say this importantly, all of us, even though I'm a one presenter, all of us slide back into the 95% sometimes, okay? So none of us are perfect. So I slide back into the 95% sometimes by accident. I'm going to show you how I have built things to get me out of it when I do it, okay? So the 95%, not my fault. Well, whose fault is it? Well, it's COVID. Well, it's the president. Well, it's the uh, Congress. Oh, it's the economy. Oh, it's uh, this competition. Oh, it's whatever. They will blame something, but it's not their fault. Now I'm gonna tell you a secret. This is important in selling, especially for those of you that are outside of the home inspection range. Gabby, you want to tell them it's not their fault. You want to tell them, look, this is not your fault. You didn't create this situation. However, it's your fault now if you don't change. If you don't take this opportunity six months from now, a year from now, and I've had people come back to me seven years later, and the thing that hurts me more than anything, seven years later, is for them to go, gosh, I wish I'd done that when I first met you. I wish I'd done that when I first met you. Oh, I hired another inspection company. God, I wish I'd paid $50 more and had your company do it. Okay? We get those calls from real estate agents. Okay? So, not my fault. And here's the thing is, the world teaches you need to be proactive. What is proactive? Proactive is taking action before it's necessary. And sometimes being proactive is understanding you're going to need to take action before it's necessary. And so here's the thing is, they all want to say, oh yeah, I'm proactive. I filled up my car yesterday, so I'm, I'm not gonna run out of gas today. So they're 20% proactive because they have to be, all right? But they're 80% reactive. This happens, they do this. This happens, they do this. This happens, they do this, okay? You get to choose on which one you wanna be on, all right? And then the last one is, I can't afford that. This is one of the reasons I want to make sure I tell you how much I love my wife. Because I say, we're going to do this, and she says, we can't afford that. Now, she hasn't said that in years, ever since I started doing this presentation. <laughs> there might be a secret in that, okay? But, I mean, she would say, we can't afford that. We can't afford that. We can't afford that. And, uh, and, I, and my favorite phrase was, we can't afford not to do this. So Jen will tell you that I'm part of a coaching group, and this was going to be the last year I was part of it. And the guy that was running it, he was dying, and he was an even in hospice. But he's coming back, and he's going to be teaching part of it this next year. And I walked out to Jen, and I said, i got to sign up one more year. $30,000. Charged it to my credit card last week, just like that. Okay? And I didn't even blink because I can't afford not to take this one last opportunity to hear what this guy has to share after he's been back from the brink of being dead, okay? So when you hear somebody say, I can't afford that, be patient with them. That's what the world teaches them. In fact, the world teaches you to go buy cheap. 
right? Look, I buy from Walmart all the time, and I have people say, oh, Walmart, I'd never go there. The one percenters say that a lot, okay? But I buy from Walmart. I was there today, okay? But when I fly, I don't fly cheap. I fly first class, and I deserve it. Because when I get there, I need to be rested. I need to be ready. And, and, and so uh, at one point I told Krista, I said, you want to you wanna increase my shelf life? And she went, yeah. I said, please fly me first class. Don't make me sit. Even if, there's, even if it's an aisle seat or a window, please don't make me sit and coach. I can't do that anymore. I'm going to tell you I have a little bit of a problem. I, I don't like being touched. Now, I don't mind. I love giving hugs. Yes, ma'am? Give her a microphone, please. Um, sometimes you can't afford the best of everything right away, right? right? And that's okay. None do of us could. Do what you can do, then do what's possible. Right? Your boots, your tires, and your bed. Everything that supports you, those are good places to make a really good investment. That's it. Yep. Okay. And here's one of the things is when I'm working with people a lot of times, and, and, and I'm not implying you, so please don't apply this necessarily to you, but to my employees a lot of times, I buy them stuff because I know they're thinking they can't afford that. Okay? I have fixed more employees' cars at any point, given point than you can probably imagine. Okay? I keep two extra vehicles so that an employee can drive them if necessary. By the way, Jen's driving one of them right now. Okay? And then I, I have my Jeep out there. Okay? So I keep... I keep extras, but you will run into people that saying, I can't afford that, right? You need to understand that if someone tells you they can't afford it, you need to understand they just don't understand the value in it yet. If they understood the true value in it, they'd be willing to pay you more, okay? So you hear them say, I can't afford that, right? By the way, I want to point this out right here. Let me see, make sure you get me on camera. There we go. This is the 95%, right? So what happens is the 95% run back and forth and back and forth along this line here, okay? And they hit this point, and what do they do? They turn around, and they run back over to here. Most of the 95%ers are standing right here at the edge of the cliff. And then all it takes is a breeze or a push from somebody else by accident, and they're gone. But it's not their fault. Do you understand? They were standing at the edge of a cliff, and somebody bumped them, and they fell, and it's not their fault. <sighs> Me and Susan are having a lot of political discussions right now because I'm on one side and she's on the other side. Okay? But I repeatedly tell her, here's what you need to make sure you see. She goes, what? I am not there. Okay? I am not there doing that. That's not me. Okay? I'm here doing this. Because this is important to the future of this country. Okay? But when they get pushed off, and, and here's the thing, says, some weird things will happen. They'll have a flat tire. Not their fault, right? Jen wants me to tell you this story, so I'm going to tell it to you, because I told it once, and then it, it really hit home with a lot of people. When I was, I'm an emotional person, so I have to take a moment sometimes, so I just don't cry all over you, just so you know, all right? I was poor. When Susan and I 
got married, we made less than $10,000 combined our first year when we were married. And we lived in a one-bedroom duplex in a pretty crappy neighborhood. And I was a sacker and then a stalker at a grocery store, and Susan worked at the grocery store as well. That's where we met. And we were so poor that the tires on our cars would go bare at a certain point. And I couldn't afford new tires. So I bought used tires. I still remember standing there and watching them balance it out so I could put it on the car so I would have a usable tire, okay? So now, when my tires get even close, I'm buying new tires just like that. Now, here's a question I want to ask you. Matt, I think you've heard this before, so if you have, don't answer it. Why do I replace my tires long before they need to be replaced? Who knows the answer to that? Yes, ma'am. You get five points. <laughs> Did you hear that? And I didn't even realize I was doing it for that purpose as much as anything else. So what she said for the camera is so that my tires now will be for somebody else. that can't afford to buy new tires yet. And I will tell you, when I walk around the parking lot, I look at tires. I have bought more employees tires than I can tell you. You need to replace tires in that car. I can't afford that. Take it into the shop and put it on our credit card. We're gonna buy them for you, okay? Tires, tires, simple, right? But people will walk around and they will let their car go to crap and then they'll have a flat tire and then they'll be upset about it. And it's not their fault, but it is, okay? So, oh, there's a train on the tracks. I was late because there's a train on the tracks. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> this is so funny because they have put a train here that goes right across the main street that I come to on work. I only live 10 minutes away, but there's a train that hits it like twice an hour. And I'm coming to work one day, back when I used to come in early every morning, I don't anymore. And I, I get there and I can see the train coming and I'm going, oh crap, you know, will I get there in time? Will I be late? I don't wanna be late, you know? Uh, and so there's, but, but the train on the tracks, oh, I was late because, all right? Dog ate my homework, you've all heard that, right? We joke about it. And yet I've got a dog around here now. <laughs> Uh, that I have to deal with a lot more than I like, okay? But it also, it also does some other cool things that I could tell you at a certain point. Uh, Grandma died. How many of you remember the show, uh, The Sweat Hogs, right? What, what was the, uh, uh, the gentleman, uh, Latino, uh, and, he, and, and he would bring a note in, right? Uh, Epstein, right? And he would go, uh, Mr. Cotter, Mr. Cotter, I, I need to make sure you get this note. And he would read it and say, please excuse Epstein for missing school yesterday. Uh, unfortunately, um, you know, uh, he, uh, one of his grandmothers died. Signed, Epstein's mom. That's what it said. Signed, Epstein's mom. All right. <laughs> so anyway, so it's kind of a joke. But he went, how many grandmothers you have? And he went, well, we're a big family. We're, we're you know, we, we have lots of grandmothers. Sure you do. Okay. But anyway, but grandma died. The dog is sick. 
I've actually heard people turn down work. There was a great speaker that I loved. I've had it at Three Days Secret Revealed, and I wanted to send him to other places, but his dog had diabetes, and he decided to stay home and take care of the dog instead of go make a living. And I went, huh? And I thought the first time, I thought, okay, that was strange. And then I set up a second opportunity for him. And then I never, never set up another opportunity for him before, after that. People will make excuses. Haircut. Oh, I have to go get a haircut. Okay. So, by the way, I trained my barber to take appointments. I used to go to the barber shop and I used to sit there and I would work and sometimes I would take an employee with me and they would sit there and we would work together and then I'd get my hair cut and on the way there we would work and on the way back we would work and I finally asked my barber, I said, why don't you take appointments? And he asked how he would do that and I taught him how to do that. Now I call him up and I go, hey Val, this is Mike, uh, when's your next availability? Oh great, such and such. And then I'm there and I get my hair cut. Okay, and if, and if there's four people in line, I, I can do other stuff before I get there. All right, so the four percenters. This is important because now we're moving uphill. And this is where you start figuring out whether you want to be part of the 95% or part of the 4%. The 4% the think monthly pay. They don't think weekly pay. They don't think every two weeks pay. They think monthly pay. How much do I make a month? And when we're talking about companies, right, you just showed me your monthly numbers, okay? Monthly, what do you do in a month? Early is on time. Early is on time. Frank, how early do I get to an inspection? How early do I expect my inspectors to get to an inspection? Half an hour, that's exactly right. Why a half an hour? That's cool, all right? So this is important. Sometimes you don't have to know why. All you have to know is that it's important. However, how long does it take to change a flat tire? Bingo. I don't want my inspectors to have a flat tire and get late to an inspection. Now, in my entire life, I show up everywhere early. I, I want to say this very carefully. In my life, I show up let me do it this way, because this is where the one percenter is, right? I show up early. In my wife's world, everybody shows up a little bit later. <laughs> okay. We had a family, we had a family reunion once, and me and Kristen and Jonathan were there. Susan was two hours late. I was beginning to think somebody had kidnapped her, okay? And, uh, and of course my dad gave me hell over it. So there, my dad taught me a lot of this in one way or another. Uh, but showing up early is what winners do. You can tell just by when somebody shows up if they're in the 95%, the 4% or the 1%, okay? And it's amazing how little secrets will lead you to what percentage, what you're working with. Here's the other thing is, saving money. So here's one of the biggest lies you will ever be told. Pay off all your debt and start saving money. That's totally bogus. That's totally bogus. You have to start saving money even while you're in debt. And people don't get that, they don't understand that. They think, oh, I pay off all the debt, then I start saving money. It will never happen. And by the way, I have like 30, 40 bank accounts. Most people don't realize this and they don't understand why I do it that way. 
I'm going to tell you another secret. I love saving money, but as soon as I get this much money in the bank account, other people look at it and they say, oh, we can spend that. <laughs> so I break it down into little chunks so they don't see that I have $200,000 sitting in the bank account. Because they go, $200,000, wow, we could buy a vehicle, we can do this, we can do that. All right. And the other reason I have that many bank accounts is because each one of those is earmarked for something special. All right. And Coach Blueprint was Jen runs. Jen, how many bank accounts do we have? Six? Uh, seven. Seven? Seven. We have seven bank accounts, and that's a brand new business. Okay. Texas Spec probably has 15. Okay. They have a vehicle account. They have a winter account. They have a recovery fund account. They have each one of the people uh, that spend money have their own account so we can track their money expenditures and not a credit card, okay? So there, there's that. So you've got that, saving, you've gotta save money. Who said they just finished, was it you said you just finished reading The Richest Man in Babylon? Um, somebody Brad. said. It was Brad, it was Brad earlier, earlier. Camera, camera guy. Oh, Brad, oh, okay. Uh, Brad's a new employee that uh, just started with us and I love him a lot. Um, and so uh, I have books back here and if there's a book that you really want, ask me, unless it's a really special book that I can't replace, uh, I'm probably just gonna give it to you, okay? People don't understand that. I mean, Tanisha, right? You said, oh, these are two books and, and, and Frank was going, oh, there's these three books and I'm going, take them, great. One of, the, one of the books that you picked up was The Richest Man in Babylon. Most powerful book probably I've ever read because it talks about how to save money and then turn that money into more money, okay? And you've got to start doing that even when you have debt, okay? Um, by the way, I have like 10 books that are required reading for my kids. That's like at one of the top three, okay? Capacity, time and money. Here's one of the things that I learned was how much capacity, how much capacity, see I'm looking back there and it's different. Uh, capacity, how much capacity does a 95 percenter have? What do they tell you all the time? I can't afford it and I don't have time. I'm busy. I'm so busy. I don't have time to do it, right? Their level of capacity is just full, okay? At least they think it is. The four percenters build capacity in. So when that building was coming up for sale, I, I made sure we had the money to be able to get into it. By the way, sometimes I lock all the money up so I can't do that because I'm working on something. And sometimes when I got a big project going, I don't have the capacity to go do another one, okay? So it happens to me even, but capacity. The other thing is time. So as soon as you hire another inspector, you have created more capacity in your business. The problem sometimes, and remind me tomorrow, I need to draw the business bullseye for you, is that everybody hires an inspector first unless they've had my training because they don't understand it's the worst hire you can make first, right? Ricky, who's the first person we hire? Yeah. Yeah, marketing person. Why do I hire a marketing person first, Colin? Right. And so if you can't feed that guy, he will go somewhere else. Exactly. Yeah. And so Wally was part of our group for a couple of years, and Wally is quite a character, and I love Wally. Me and him, 
we and him have had more than one drink together. Um, <laughs> more than two. More than two. Yeah. Uh, in, in one night. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Uh, but that was one of the things when I started teaching this industry, everybody thought I was out of my mind. Hiring the marketing persons first. Barbara Cochran, right, on uh, Shark Tank, her first person to hire every single time, as soon as she could afford it, was another salesperson because they would sell more, okay? Your marketing and sales are slightly different, but and she's in real estate. So capacity, time, and money. Focus. Here's the thing is the 95 percenters are too busy, so they never have time to focus on what will get them to the next level. Here's one of the big secrets that I want you to understand. I teach a two-week calendar, and on every Monday on the, my calendar that I draw out for you, there's a two-hour spot that's called focus time. And if you don't put two hours or some time on your calendar every single week to build a new system, it won't get done. You have to schedule it. Now, let me say this very carefully. I've said this over and over and over again so many times. If it's important, it's on the calendar. Matt, do you know what date night is for me? What, what night of the week date night is? That's okay. All right. I know she knows. I'm coming to you in a second. I just want to see if any. Frank, what night is date night for me? That's exactly right. So he's only been to one meeting and he already knows that. Thursday night is date night for me and Susan. Let me ask you a question. Is it on my calendar? Hell yeah. And all of my people know Thursday night's date night for me and Susan. And if I'm busy Thursday night, it gets moved to Wednesday or Friday. And by the way, one of the reasons I do it on Thursday is so that I have backups. I have Friday, Saturday, and Sunday <laughs> in case I mess up. All right? And by the way, Colin, I have messed up once or twice, okay? Um, so focus time. If you need to make a new brochure, it needs to be on the calendar. You don't just go, oh, when I get a chance, I'll make a new brochure. No, you put focus time on the calendar and you write in there, new brochure. If you need to hire somebody, you write focus time in there and you write hire a marketer. Without this one little piece, you're in the 95%. How hard is this to write into the calendar? The 95% will tell you, I don't have time. The four percenters say, I make time. Okay? It's the difference. Here's the other thing that we say at the 4% level. I'm working on it. I don't say it's not my fault. I say I'm working on it. And I've said that a few times. There's a better saying, and I'll teach that to you in the 1%. I'm working on it, though. Okay? Here's the cool thing. Look at this. In the four percenters, they're 80% proactive versus the 20% reactive. 80% proactive. I blow people's minds around here. I drive people crazy because I go, what are we doing here? When are we doing this? How are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Is it on the schedule? And people are going, we don't need that yet. and they're smack dab in the 95%. And I want to make sure that all of the people that work with me understand, I don't want them to be 95 percenters. That's the worst thing I can do for a family member. And everybody who works here is family. 
By the way, you should see my interview sometimes. It blows their mind. A lot of times they're in tears by the time we get through an interview. Isn't that right, Jen? Okay, because I'm talking, look, if you work here, we're family. What does that mean? Well, that means this, 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 this. And I don't want to hear it's not my fault. I don't want to hear this and this and this. Working on it. I'm working on it. I love that lady that's our new uh, facilitator, facilities coordinator, okay? She is amazing, all right? And, um, but she's 80% proactive already. She used to own her own business, by the way. So that's kind of a cool thing. Here's the other thing is, the four percenters understand investing in themselves. I can't afford it. I can't afford not to. Do you know what Susan did the first time I came home and said, well, I paid for $40,000 for a coaching program for me and Krista. Like, how are we paying for that? We can't afford that. I put it on credit cards. We're, we're going into debt for this? Okay, $40,000. Remember those, Krista? Oh, yeah. And it wasn't worth it. I mean, we got some out of it. But this particular guy was more splashed than he was real. And, and yet we still went and we still did it and we still made it pay for itself. But what I realized was I knew more than he did. He was trying to teach me how to do stuff and he was doing it less than what I was. But I thought, and, and by the way, we picked up a few nuggets that made it worth it. We picked up a few nuggets. Understand investing in yourself. That shows you're in the 4%. So now let's get to the 1%, right? The 1%, woo! I love being the 1%. You're in the 1% seat. I'm sorry, Ricky. <laughs> Ricky is not only 1%er, she's making other people 1%ers. Look at this. She has her sister here, okay? Your daughter's in the business, and Tori, what? Both of the, Christy and Tori, they're both in the business. Coolest thing about being a one percenter is all the people I get to help, okay? That's the coolest thing about being a one percenter, all right? So you, at the one percent, you get to be an influencer. You get to influence other people's lives that are around you. Elizabeth, I have to tell you, I am so impressed that you came to this boot camp. How long have you been part of our coaching program? Fifth year. And yet, guys, she came all the way here with you so that you would get the most out of this. That's a one percenter. I want all of you to be one percenters. Because when you are, you change other people's lives. And if you aren't, you aren't living up to your full potential. So significance and influence, that's what one percenters do. And you recognize them immediately. And by the way, sometimes they're very subtle. Sometimes they sneak into a room and walk around. And, and, and what you don't know is they're looking for other one percenters. I have gone to shows, Matt, you will love this. I have gone to shows and people will go up and say, hey, I wanted to get to know you better. I said, what made you want to get to know me better? Honestly, I just looked at the way you dressed, and if you dress that way, I know you're not, you're not like the rest of the guys here. Just by the way you dress, people will start to identify whether you're a 95%er, a 4%er, or a 1%er. And the world wants you to be a 95%er. The world tells you, dress any way you want, and if they don't like the way you dress, screw them.
That's what the world will tell you. They're lying to you. They're just flat out lying to you. And then they don't, they don't mean it to harm you, but it does. So dress the way, and, and by the way, it's okay to wear blue jeans. I have, you, you see pictures of me uh, in blue jeans and a t-shirt when I'm at Six Flags with Jonathan? Hell yeah, okay? And people, sometimes people go, they, they get shocked. Oh my God, I've never seen you in blue jeans. It's because they've only seen me in this capacity, okay? And it's kind of neat to go the other way. You and I went to Walt Disney World together, didn't we? I guarantee you, yeah. So here's the other thing is, the one percenters thinking annual pay. Yearly, what am I going to do yearly in dollars, okay? What am I going to do yearly in dollars? And Krista and I plan that out all the time. Now, I'm kind of like an ultra one percenter. I told you earlier, who remembers how far ahead I think? Who, five points, if you remember. What? Five years is a good guess. 10 years is a good guess. 20 years. I think 20 years in advance. I had a meeting with our family, all of the kids, grandkids, spouses, when we were in Oklahoma, half an hour meeting. I said, all I need is half an hour. But I'm telling them what 20 years will look like in the Crow family, okay? The coolest thing about that meeting was Krista's oldest was there and he's sitting there going, oh my God, I never had any idea that this even existed in the world in some of it, okay? So I think in yearly. Now I'm gonna tell you a secret. The 95 percenters, they lie to the 95 percenters all the time. You need to know that. People are lying to you all the time. And, and sometimes it's not because they mean to, it's just because they were told that and they believed it, so they tell it to other people. I wanna make sure you hear that. They don't know they're lying to you, but they are. So I'm gonna tell you the biggest lie that you've ever heard about time. Sherry, can I pick on you? And I don't mean to pick. Do you and I have the same amount of time? No, not at all. Why? There's 24 hours in a day. Who has more time, you or me? You think so? That's pretty cool. I like the answer. I like the answer. I like the gumption. Why do you think you have more time than I do? Oh, 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 okay. That makes really good sense. And by the way, there was a time there was a time when I got up and worked from 4 a.m. in the morning, me and my dad met at the office at 4 a.m. in the morning, and we didn't finish until 10 o'clock at night. There was a time. But now, if I woke up tomorrow morning and went, I think I'm going to Disney today. I book a flight, I book a room, and I'm gone. Now, I won't do that tomorrow, because I want to see you guys. And honestly, I enjoy being here more than Disney, believe it or not. And that's saying a lot. That's saying a lot. <laughs> she knows that's saying a lot. So by the way, we were supposed to do Disney Cruise this year, and we were gonna spend a week before and a week after at Disney in June, and the cruise got canceled because of COVID. <sighs> so we, we pushed it to the next year. We moved everything to next year. Disney was nice enough to give us 25% additional credit in dollars for everything I'd already spent. 
Okay. And by the way, it's like $50,000 I'd already spent for all of the family, not just me, all of the family to go on the cruise. Okay. By the way, Jen's part of the family. She, she's like the unofficial adopted daughter. Okay. People don't know that. Uh, when she came to work here, I told her, I said, you, you need to understand how much you're going to become family. And I think it took her a little while to kind of figure it out. And I think she's still figuring it out some. Okay. But when we go on the cruise, she's coming because she's family. And, and Christmas, she's coming to Christmas. She came to Thanksgiving, okay? She's that important to me. Because what you guys don't know is I've been coaching her for 10 plus years, and Krista is incapacitated because she is having to spend her time making the transition for the company that we sold our coaching program to. That's what the 1% do even if it's difficult some days. And by the way, she's doing a great job, and I hear nothing but amazing things from people that have called me uh, from, from, from members that are still attached with you. And you need to know, yep, because that's what a one percenter does. So here's the thing is, the biggest lie that you're told is that you have the same amount of time as I do because we both have 24 hours in the day, and technically that's true. But the truth is, I have all the time in the world. Because every day when I get up, I go, what do I want to do today? Now, don't get me wrong. I plan lots of stuff, and I schedule lots of stuff. But I can do whatever I want. I haven't done an inspection, Matt, in 20 years. Okay? Colin, how, do, how would that feel, right? I mean, would that feel okay with you? By the way, yeah, well, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but I haven't done an inspection in 20 years, but I'm running a company that's doing two point some million dollars. OK, I think we'll hit two point four this year, maybe more. All right. Huh? Money is money is freedom. This is important. My dad once said, and I learned so much from my dad. And by the way, you will hear horror stories from about my dad. My dad was my dad was a four percenter. And he couldn't break into the 1% because he, had, he was carrying so much baggage of some things in his world. And, it, and, and because of some of the training and school and, and, and training that I had, I was able to break that difference. This company wouldn't exist if it were my dad because my dad used to come in and go, son, are you tired of this? You ready to shoot this dog? So he would say that to me every day for a year. And at some point, I chewed him out royally because this is my future, this is my kid's future. I left everything behind to do this. And quit asking me if I wanna kill my dream. So there's the bad side. The cool side was, my dad used to say things like, and Chris has heard some of these, look, if you can work for me, you can work for anybody. And boy, was he right, okay? Because nobody could work for my dad, okay? Um, trying to remember what the good thing was that he said that I wanted to tell you. Um, <laughs> It'll come back in a minute. All right, so here's the thing is, I have as much time as I want. By the way, my dad's 80 plus years old. Oh, that's, well, something like that, yeah. Thank you. See, Chris has heard all these stories back and forth. My dad said the only difference between the poor and the rich is how much aggravation we have to put up with every day. The only difference between the poor and the 95% versus the rich is how much aggravation we have to put up with every day. Something went wrong, I told Susan, call a plumber. You know, 
Well, don't you want to fix it? No, I don't even want to put a wrench in my head, okay? By the way, I used to try to fix things, and it usually cost me more time and then more money to fix my mistakes, okay? So uh, the car gets broken, let's take it in the shop. I'll drive the backup until we get there, okay? So time. Here's the next piece that one percenters have, is they have resources. I can bring more resources to bear on a situation than 99% of people out there. Now, I'm not Steve Jobs and I'm not Bill Gates and they can bring more resources than a thousand of me could bring to bear, okay? But on the other hand, I'm gonna tell you a secret. People have always been more important to me than money. And what that means is I give up money a lot easier than most people because I'm taking care of people. So resources, so that, don't miss that one, that's important, all right? Then profit. See, the 95% don't think of profit. In fact, in our country right now, it is evil to be profitable. And I'm thinking, what the hell? Because if it were for profit, none of them in America wouldn't exist, okay? Try not to get too political here. Profit. Do you think about profit? The 95% don't. In fact, they resent profit. Do you know why? Because it's an expense to them. I love profit because it means I have more money to help more people. So every time I can raise prices, and I have a formula for raising prices, every time I can raise prices, that means more money comes in. Jonathan and I think about profit every single week when we sit down and talk. And just like you don't start saving money until you pay everything off, that's bogus. You've got to start saving now. You've got to start being profitable now. It was kind of fun. Uh, Blaze, right? New York, you'll love him. Do you know Blaze out of New York? He's uh, out of Long Island, okay? What? Is that the name of a town or something? Okay. So, so when he first joined my program and everything, uh, I, I loved Blaze. He was such an amazing gentleman. I flew up there to go see him. He had three inspectors. He said, Mike, why can't I do what I'm doing with three inspectors and just build it to 12 or 15 or 20 inspectors? And I explained to him how there's different gears. But he said, well, he, he asked me an important question that I never rarely get asked, I, I get asked sometimes, how much profit should this company make? And I said, when you're in the beginning, you should be making, eh, let's say 10% profit. And by the way, when you're in the very, very beginning, there is no profit, okay? You are spending every damn dime just making the business bigger. Right, Elizabeth? Okay, and then you start making profit. I remember when we sat down at one point, you go, we're, we're like here, we're not like making any money. Okay, and we talked about how to turn that and start putting profit aside ahead of time. And so we started putting that money ahead. Now, uh, we, uh, Krista and I found this great, wonderful gentleman has a book out there called Profit First. Now, you need to know there's a couple of things in that book I absolutely, totally disagree with. However, Profit First, I totally agree with. So we put all of our money into one account, it's called an income account, and then that money gets divided out to payroll, operations, and profit. I probably should have said that differently. That money gets divided out to profit, 
payroll and operations. So, but the, here's the thing is every single dollar it gets, it comes in, goes one of those three columns. And then I set the percentages on those columns differently at different times a year. So I want to make at least 10% profit. I really want to be in the 20% profit range. And here's the problem is if I see you in the 30% profit range, I know you're probably burning money that you should be spending on building the company. But if you've hit a point where you're tired of growing the company and you just want to have the most incredible life ever until you die, then yeah, 30% profit's easily to do, okay? So profit, wealth, one percenters build wealth. The number one way to build wealth is real estate. It's absolutely the number one way to build it. Stock market sucks, stay away from it, okay? Unless you really know what you're doing. I lost more money in the stock market when I sold my first company than I care to tell you about. Only six, only six figures, okay? And it wasn't a small six figures. And I went, okay, the stock market is bogus, all right? And it was boring, okay? Real estate. And so I've owned real estate, I've sold real estate, and now I'm building more real estate. Currently, we only have five properties, six, six. I keep forgetting Kilmer. Okay, uh, and so, um, and here's the cool thing is that we're doing some fun stuff with that, but build wealth, okay? You take your profit and you turn it into something that will make money. In the future, the dollar bill will be worth less. Real estate will go up in value. Your home inspection will go up in value. So there's a book out there that a friend of mine gave me, Mark out of Atlanta, um, do you remember his last name, Mark? Uh, he was around for a while, but he he since sold his businesses and done a bunch of other stuff. Um, but he sent this book to me, and it talks about building wealth in your family. And I'm big. That's what I'm studying right now more than anything. I'm studying wealth book after wealth book after wealth book, okay? And one of the things it said was family businesses are one of the most important things that you can ever put together, okay? But all of you need to be building wealth. The first thing in in Tanisha, is to buy your own home. And by the way, if you can rent really cheap and then buy other property, that's great too. Nothing wrong with that, okay? So it doesn't have to be your home, but buying, other, buy, buying real estate's important, okay? Here's the thing you'll hear one percenter say. It's my responsibility. I heard something the other day, and a child ran out into the, the street and he got hit and was hurt very badly. And the person kept saying, it's not my fault, it's not my fault, it's not my fault. And part of it is, is because, man, if your child gets hurt, you don't want it to be your fault. When Alex was young, he's now 30-something, um, I had my house set up so I could hear when the front door got open. It would go like ding, ding or something like that. I'm on the phone with somebody and I'm talking and I hear ding, ding. And I'm going, somebody come in. One of the kids come home. Susan, come home. What, what's going on? And, and then I realized, where's Alex? And I immediately went out looking for Alex. He was halfway down the street. That was my fault. My responsibility. Had he run out in the road and got hurt, it would have been my fault my responsibility. One percenters don't blame other people. They find a way to be there so that they can set things up to help themselves. And one of the ways they do that is that they're 90% proactive. 
Had I not had something on the door that gone ding, ding, I wouldn't have known Alex had left the house. I should have had it set up so he couldn't even have opened the front door. And now our kids with kids do that sort of things a lot of times, okay? When I was in the pest control business, and I used to have a pest control business, I used to make all of my guys read how a young child drank something out from underneath the sink or outside of a, a pest control guy's truck. He got in there and he drank it because it looked like candy because we put out stuff that looks like candy to rats and stuff, okay, and died. And I said, don't be that guy because it'll be your fault, you know? So we're 90% proactive of how we do stuff. And anybody who tells you 100% they're proactive, they're lying to you. It's impossible, okay? It's impossible. But the more proactive you can be, the more you can plan ahead, the better. Here's the last part of this. Invest time and money in other people. So I have lived by four words my, most of my life, and then Krista added two words to it, help people help themselves. That's what I do. Help people help themselves. And then as we grew our coaching business, one of the things that really happened that just changed everything was, Matt, once I help you, will you be willing to help other people? Okay? Ricky has been like my poster child for this. Okay? When I, and Ricky and Chris came and they rode with us before they did any inspections. And I told them the same thing. Once I help you, will you be willing to help me help other people? She became a coach inside of uh, IGO. Uh, she has literally said, hey, come visit me. She's done all kinds of stuff. I could call her and ask her any favor to help somebody else, and she's never said no. When you get to the 1%, the coolest thing is you get to help other people, okay? What you want to try to do, and I'm going to say this, and it's going to hurt somebody's feelings, and I'm sorry, you want to choose the people you help. I can't help everybody. You know, one of the best things I ever saw, sorry, my ADD's killing me. Uh, one of the best things I ever saw in the Bible was Christ saying the poor will always be with us. And their 95 percenters are always going to be with us. I can't fix all of them. What I want to do with my life is find the five percenters and help them. Because what I know about the five percenters is that they will help other people as well. And that way it grows beyond me. It's almost a legacy thing. Okay? So invest time and money in other people. So here's one of the things. 95, 4%, 1%. It's not a straight thing across the board, is it? You cannot just go, I'm in the 95% and I'm going to the 1% and you just run and what are you going to do? You're going to run into the wall, okay? You need a ladder, you need something to get from the 95% to the, it is an uphill battle. And you've got to be willing to go uphill. You know, I tell Jen and I tell most people that I'm coaching that you have two jobs to the business owners, and to everybody. You have two jobs. When I worked in the grocery business, I had two jobs, okay? My job was to do my job, and then my job was to figure out how to make my job easier or better, or train somebody else to do my job. I have a, I have a wonderful person in this company that I'm hoping that I can train to be general manager and so that Jonathan will not have to be here every single day. And I told that person, you have two jobs, 
Okay? Your job is to do your job, and then your job is to learn this job. Because I'm working them towards the 95%. I mean, the, the, four, the 5%. And they get it. And they get it, which is kind of a cool thing. So it's an uphill battle. And you need to know that there are some things that will help you with this uphill battle. One is you got to build systems. You got to build systems. It's the number one thing that we're trying to teach you here to help you get to the 1%. And if you do not have systems, you will go crazy trying to get to the 1%. Trust me, I have horror stories from so many people, including myself, of trying to get there without the right systems. The second thing is you got to have other people. You got to have other people you can trust to get things done. I was so incredibly blessed to be able to Krista to be able to work in the company with me. Now, I'm so incredibly blessed to have her work in the company with me and Jonathan, but she will tell you that the first company I built didn't have them. And I did it with other people. But why would I want to do it with other people if I can do it with family? I'd much rather help her be successful and Jonathan be successful, okay? And the other people we started with especially if they get this and they're willing to do the same thing. Systems, people, and then the last one is resources. I didn't even understand the power of resources until about five years ago, until I bought this building. I always knew I needed a building. I always knew I wanted a building. But when I bought this building, every day I worried a little bit about, will the rent go up? Will they ask us to move? You know, you, do I have to sign a new contract? Okay. But when we bought this building, all of that went away. All I worry about is taxes going up, and that's going to happen no matter where you are. But if, you, if you're with somebody else and you're renting, rent's going to go up. It's just part of, part of the process that happens out there. So resources, vehicles, two extra vehicles out there, ready to go anytime. It's kind of funny because I tell Belinda, the wonderful lady you saw today that fixed uh, salads and, and helped in different things. I told her, I said, I have this Jeep out there and I really need for you to drive it when you go to the store and everything. So we know it will work when we need it. Right. So she has her own car, but I want her to drive my Jeep. All right. So we have that. So here's the cool thing is, and I want to make sure you see this. I want to make sure you see this. I would like to say I'm in the 1% and I am a one percenter all the time. And if I ever tell you that, if anybody ever tells you that, they're lying. Because last night I sat at home and I watched TikTok <laughs> for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, an hour. And I finally went, what the hell am I doing? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I will tell you, I'm, I'm choosing very carefully what I watch on TikTok and I'm learning. I love life hacks on TikTok. That's not bad for me. So here's the thing is, one of the things is I'm, 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 I'm watching how do you work out when you're 60 years old? I'm learning how do I cook things that I've never cooked before. I'm learning how do I do this or do that. One of the things that I would love to do, and if you don't know, there's a new dance type called the shuffle out there. And I mean, it is like super cool. And I was telling them at lunch, I, I'm watching now in slow motion how they do it. So maybe I can do it at some point. Probably not. But you never know. 
Okay. So anyway, but resources, right? Resources. So for instance, when we set Kilmer up over there, I told Jen, I want a TV in every room. It's a resource. That way you can hook your computer to it and you could zoom from it or whatever you need. Okay. And so what are you putting into your life? And by the way, if you're not careful, a TV in every room means I am going to watch Disney Plus all day long. And by the way, Disney Plus got some pretty cool stuff on it, okay? Or I'm going to watch Netflix all day long, or I'm going to watch this all day long. I'm thinking I want it there because I can hook my computer up to it, and I can see this and this, and I can do this on it, okay? And so it's amazing. So um, Susan at one point got really, really, really mad at me. I had this big TV that I had bought. First off, she didn't like that TV, and it was a $3,000 TV um, back in the old days. And... Uh, we had a water leak, and it and the lady came out to paint the house, and she 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 made a mistake, and she took apart the uh, entertainment center, and it fell and broke my TV. And I told Susan, oh, I'll go buy a new TV. And I was talking with Susan. I said, I want this TV, and I want this TV, and I want this TV, and I want this TV. I said, I didn't even like that TV. It couldn't even do this and this and this. <laughs> what did she tell me? We can't afford that. And I said, well, I'm just looking. <laughs> and then I went to Best Buy and I said, well, there's this 60-inch TV and there's a 65-inch TV and there's a 70-inch TV. And if, I, and if I measure the entertainment center and if I put it just outside the edge, I can put the 70-inch in there. So we have a 70-inch TV at home. When she came home and saw that thing, boy, that was, that was not a happy topic. Okay. When I was young, Susan and I had this, this arrangement. And when you're young and you're married, this is a great arrangement. We will not spend $100 without talking with each other. And then it got to, we will not spend $1,000 without talking to each other. And then my arrangement got to be, how much do you need to run the household? And I will supply that every single month. And anything above and beyond that, I'm going to use to build the company or do whatever I want. And every now and then, she still just like goes, what the hell? Okay. I said, we don't need a 70-inch TV. Now, I will tell you, several times since then, she goes, that is a super cool TV, okay? She almost divorced me over that one, all right? Resources. Now, here's what I want to make sure you understand. I slide back into the 95% over and over and over again. What, what, what in my life have I built to keep me back on the 1%. What? A rubber band effect. So I'm over here, right? And I have put systems in place, and I have put people in place, and I have put resources in place. And then I think, eh, I don't need to be there. And I start watching TikTok, and I start watching this, and I, I go play poker. I love playing poker. And I go do this, and I go do this, and I do this. And before I realize it, I'm sitting at home, uh, you know, like, like a zombie, right? And then what happens in my life? I have stretched a rubber band because of my systems, because of my people, and because of my resources, and something, something steps into my world and goes, what the hell are you doing here? And picks me up by the back of my neck and drags me all the way back over there and goes, you belong here. We have a Jonathan called me last night and said, we have a meeting with real estate agents at 7 a.m. in the morning. I went, well, that's fun. 
that's a rubber band, and I got picked up by the back of my neck, okay, and drug into a 7 a.m. meeting, which I went to and was happy, and, and I was glad I was there. What? Oh, I did. I did. Yeah. 7 a.m. That's systems. And by the way, our inspector meeting, 6 a.m. 6 a.m. Every two weeks. And we've been 6 a.m., Christopher, for how many years? Okay. So there's the thing I want you to understand. So this is important. If you find yourself the 95%, you can build systems and you can surround yourself with people and you can put resources in your life that will pick you up and put you back where you belong. But you have to build those or you will end up staying here. And the world has surrounded you with people like this that are staying here right now. How many people say, I could not survive without Social Security? I'm sorry, but if you can't survive without Social Security, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but you're a 95 percenter. Now, my dad gets Social Security. He loves it. He thinks it's great. He got, he got a notice the other day. They're giving him a raise of hundred and some dollars a month. I pay my dad more per month than he gets in Social Security. But he get, takes that money. There's no reason not to take it, okay? But my dad could live without it in a heartbeat. Okay, because of the systems and the people and the resources that we built. And I want every one of you to put into your life those kind of systems and people and resources. When I have somebody come into me and go, today was absolutely crazy. This happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. And I went, wow, what are we doing it so that that will not happen next time? And my dad was the one taught me next time. So Krista killed at least four buildings that I wanted to move into. I want to move into this building. And she asked one question. And if the answer was no, we didn't move into that building. Not Krista. Who knows what that question was? Does it have double internet? If it only has one internet, we have no backup. And we killed building... Yeah. So it's, yeah. So it's only it's only that. And and by the way, my wife killed more than one building too, because she went. Does it have enough parking? And there was a couple of times I wanted to buy a building so bad, and it only had ten parking spots. She goes, "You have more than ten employees. <laughs> you can't have just ten parking spots, okay?" And and I laughed, and she was right. And thank God we didn't, because there's a building right over here on Roof Snow that. We were going to buy. We were just going to park in the grocery store across the way, you know? And, and we still don't think we have enough parking. She still thinks we don't have enough parking, okay? She's right. But, you know, that's where we're at. All right, so here's what I want to make sure you understand. We all slide in the 95%. We all slide there. And we all start here. We all start here. And it's not your fault. Or let me put it this way. It wasn't your fault, but it is now if you decide to stay there. It's your fault if you decide to stay there because now you know better, okay? And we all get to decide, you know, now where you want to be. And I decide 
I want to be over here next to Rose. Okay? And I will tell you one of the resources that I have are the relationships that I've built over the last 30 years. You know, Elizabeth and Justin, incredible people. If I called them, they would let anybody come visit their office. Ricky has done that more times. And I have 100 people. I could go to any state and I'd have a room to stay at night if I needed to. I could pick up a phone call and go, I, I'm, I need a place to stay. <laughs> well, come on. Okay? It's kind of a cool thing. All right? Now, I don't think I've ever done it. I've been offered and I've stayed at people's houses before, but I'm, I've never had to, you know, beg for a room. But the bottom line is that one of the most powerful resources you will ever build will be the people you surround yourself with. And you need to choose to surround yourself with successful people. Because if you surround yourself with the 95 percenters, well, Jim Rohn said it best, and everybody said it since then, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You are the average of the people. If you want to be a millionaire, then you damn well better hang with millionaires. If you want to be a hundred, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, Mark Victor Hansen at one point said, man, I just cannot seem to break the $10 million mark. And, and, and I don't know if it was Jim Rohn or somebody said, well, who do you hang around with? He goes, this person, this person. And he goes, how much are they worth? How much are they worth? How much are they worth? How much? And he went, he went like 12 million, 15 million, 11 million, 8 million. And he goes, well, there's your problem. He went, what do you mean? You're hanging around $10 million guys. You want to be a hundred millionaire? Then get your butt up there and hang with the hundred millionaire guys. Now, I don't want to do that. I have friends that do, but that's not me. I'm happy being in the 10 million range, okay? But if you want to be that, then you got to go hang with those guys because they think totally different than you do at this point. And if you want to be successful, you better hang with the successful people. So that's where... Years ago, a coach of mine, I was reading his book, and he said, why do people say, how are you doing? Okay, have a great day. Why don't you, when people walk away, why don't you say, be successful? And I went, God, I love that. And so when I started parting with ways, I said, hey, be successful. And then one day, I started realizing the number one secret, the number one secret to being successful is being around other successful people. And I went, wow. And Krista remembers when I had the brainstorm, we were making a poster and, I, and it like all came together and I went, oh my God, be successful and be around those that are successful. And then I, and then I added because, and if you don't know, because is like one of the most powerful words in the world. It's your why. Why do you do that? Because the more money I make, the more people I get to help. And this world needs more one percenters. And if I can help somebody get to that point, if I can help somebody get to the four the, percent, the, the if I can help somebody not slide off the cliff in the 95% range, then I've succeeded some. But I'm trying to get as many people as I can to the other side of that. And that's where I want all of you to be.
We hope you enjoyed the podcast. And as a friendly reminder, if you're looking to increase your sales, improve your cash flow, and boost your bottom line as a home inspector, go to microreturns.com right now.